welcome to another episode of the Punt Return Podcast. We're at week 13 after probably the longest week in NFL history. Week 12, we had games stretching from Thursday all the way till today. Like, uh, Friday, sorry, all the way till today. It's almost a week long, uh, week 12. But it was a great week for the Punt Return Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by Nick Splitter. Nick, how you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good. It's, uh, yeah, it was a great week for you. Not so good for me, but great week for you. I bounce back. I'm back, baby. I'm back. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Um, but... I kind of got a kick in the groin, uh, apart from my good results. And my favorite punter in the league, Rigoberto Sanchez, he's uh, he's out indefinitely. And uh, to discuss, obviously, punting news, we've got to get we've got to get our guy on. So we're joined by Dane Roy. And Dane, welcome. And how quickly can you get to Indianapolis? That's probably a bit out of my reach right now. Uh, thanks for having me on. But um, yeah, the, the visa issues are getting over there, COVID stuff. Um, yeah, it's probably a bit too far right now. Um, very sad story, but obviously Rigo played at uh, Hawaii and uh, I think Stan Gordian was um, redshirting in his first year. Um, so he got to to witness a really good punter there and um, he's made his mark at uh, the Colts and it's really impressive to see him just get better each, uh, each year. Yeah, I think he's excellent and it's kind of hard, you know, hard being the punter to replace Pat McAfee, but I think on the field, like Birdo is like he's you're right, he's a hell of a punter. So it's a pretty bad loss for the uh the Colts special teams, but uh no doubt they'll probably roll out some like forty year old veteran that just doesn't quite have the legs in them like you do, mate. So uh unfortunately it's a shame that you can't get over there because I mean I would pretty much get my hands on a Dane Roy uh, Colts jersey if, if I could. It would be pretty nice. But uh yeah I don't uh it, it's pretty annoying that the coaches would do that as well. Like you said, they would get some old guy who's been in the system because they know they can trust him. And then rarely do they roll the dice on someone mid-season because usually they're going to roll the dice um, in pre-season and see how they play in those games that don't mean anything. And yeah. now when you're in a in a season and these games mean everything, draft positions or even playoff positions – they want to get the best person, not necessarily the best person. They want to get someone who knows that they can just handle themselves. And um, it's an analytics game, and maybe that's part of uh, the, the thinking from the coaches. But we, I don't really understand that part of it because there's so many talented punters out there that um, that if you don't have that like breakthrough in preseason, you'll never get a chance. And hello, I was one of them. Well, that's, that's probably that's probably a good segue into the, into the next point, and without giving too much away, because because you've got your your podcast rolling out at the moment, but um, yes. you you did have you did have uh, a workout and, and a couple of opportunities preseason. How how'd that go, and and why are you back? Uh, well, a couple divided by two equals one. Just one opportunity <laughs> for me, actually. But um, yeah, it was pretty annoying. We. Um, COVID interrupted a lot of things, but in the same time, I have to look at where I am in life and think, well, COVID stopped me from reaching the NFL. Like that, that, that's not too bad, bad, is it? Like it's killed a lot of Americans, over 200,000 Americans. And that's the only bad thing that's happened to me because I got married at the start of the year, had a beautiful wedding and I'm healthy. My whole family's healthy. Thank you. And yeah, so like, I've got to put that into perspective. It maybe absolutely wasn't the right timing, but um, yeah, it would have been awesome if I could have had the right opportunity and the same opportunity that um, was awarded to the, the players in previous seasons. But um, it wasn't to be, and now yeah, I've got to do something else. And 
could make you, my money could you somewhere go, else. Could you go again next season and, and give it a go? Because Jordan Berry took like a year off. I mean, he was working at McDonald's and then and then yeah. went back a year later and, and, and beat was, out Brad Wing. So, you know, he was flipping burgers. Chance. Yeah, he was flipping burgers at McDonald's at night and uh, punting yeah. during the day. But he wasn't a 31-year-old about to be a 32-year-old. So that's that's definitely yeah. got it against me. And, um, yeah. and I think my body's packing it up as well. So I haven't even yeah. punted since the Texans, by the way. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was pretty much the last time I punted, but yeah, I got to I got to work out with the Texans, and I punted pretty well, and I was pretty happy with that. But um, you didn't, oh, well, didn't, I was going to say you didn't take any uh, substances from Brian Cushing, did you? Because unfortunately, we'll get to that a bit later. Will Fuller no, and Bradley Roby did, and they find themselves suspended. No, I had a uh, <laughs> had a good chat with Bill O'Brien and um, a couple of the other coaches, but uh, yep. yeah, it was just. Uh, wasn't to be, but I've actually I actually did uh, record some audio from um, uh, my uh, my time there, like in the morning and all the testing because I had to stay in a hotel and all that for uh, the COVID stuff. And um, I'm about to send that through to Nick so we can put that on the podcast and get some uh, some raw edits from um, my experience there. <laughs> uh, Nick, so people that are wanting to catch up with the uh, Dane Roy story, wh- where can they find it? And we've got a giveaway as well, which uh, we just spoke off air. I've been using the Dane Roy poker chip while I've been playing golf as my ball marker. So, uh, I mean, it's pretty priceless ball marker. So, I mean, what, what's not to lose here in, 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 you know, throwing your hand up and trying to win one of these? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at the moment, as, as it stands, we're, uh, we're just about to kick off the 2018 season at the university of Houston. And, uh, Dane's been through a bit and, uh, it's just got engaged, so that's that's uh, always a fun time and, and a, a really fun story to listen to. But, uh, yep. yeah, check it out, Sportscaster Media. You can uh, find it on all major podcast platforms, obviously. And, uh, yeah, I reckon anyone who sends in the best question for uh, Mr. Dane Roy this week might uh, might get a, a poker chip or a golf ball marker, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Beauty. And uh, Dane's going to stick around and, and we'll talk some takeaways from Week 13 and, and some results and, and – uh, from obviously the longest week in the NFL before we preview week 13. So let's let's jump straight into it. And, I mean, Dane mentioned it before about the COVID situation. I think the biggest elephant in the room at the moment is the NFL's handling of the, of the COVID situation. You know, how are they going to handle this final stretch of the season? I mean, the virus was always going to, like the NFL is always going to be at the hands of, of the virus and, and trying to get the season to schedule, but, you know, obviously, with with it ripping through the league at the moment, there's just I feel like they're in a really tough situation, and they're also going to be running out of you know weeks because they've only got two teams left with a bye week, and they're on bye at the moment, the Bucks and Carolina, so they're scheduled for this week. So it's kind of seems impossible for the league to kind of jenga the league and, and jigsaw it around. So they may potentially be that extra week, um, and then moving the entire playoffs slate. So it seems seems like a very dire situation at the moment. It, it does. I, I don't see any other way than, than having that week 18 that you mentioned. I, I think it's quite amazing that they've managed to, to last this long um, and, and do what they've done so far. But it is, it's, it's, I guess, a bit of a farce in, in the way that some of the teams have, have had to kind of put together their, their schedules and, and how it's impacted some more than others. But, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to be an ongoing thing over the next few weeks and months. We've already seen the NBA. Um, there was a, a an announcement from the NBPA earlier today saying that they've just tested over the last week about 500 NBA players. And uh, I think it was about 88%, 48 or so of them tested positive just in the last 
few days or in the last week. So this is this is going to be an ongoing process for for American sports, and um, it's going to be really interesting come playoff time if if we get that far. You know how they handle whether there's some bubble situations or, or what they do. My head is spinning with so many things right now because, like, it's it still puzzles me. The NFL knew this was happening at the start of the year, no less. And they didn't do anything until a couple of weeks out of preseason when they just kept delaying it and delaying it. They're like, shit, we need to get the players on board here so they feel safe and all that. And then they finally did that. That obviously was part of why I couldn't go in and, and um, have a workout and meet and all that. But uh, they they just sat on their hands expecting it to go away, kind of like a certain president. <laughs> but... Um, it was just so annoying just to watch it. You're like, you guys realise this is probably going to hang around for a while. You need to do something about it. And now they had their bubbles at the start, but the players aren't going to sit in a bubble for all that time. Like, it's not really a bubble. It's a bubble at the facility, and then you go out and you'd have your social life. Like, um, you know, obviously, you're going to go and meet people and go to restaurants and stuff, and then you're going to catch it because everyone else has it. You see the spike after 4th of July, uh, two weeks after that. It was pretty ridiculous because everyone was out partying and then you see this spike two weeks after Thanksgiving and it's going to be massive because there's more people in more confined spaces. People have come from um, university and they're going back home. The people weren't necessarily at university in um, in the 4th of July because people take summer off, but this is going to be massive and what the NFL need to do is just um, keep playing their weeks. Oh, if they don't play this week, all right. If you can't find a team to match up against and play, we are going to just go to the next week and then put the game that was meant to be played at the back end of it and kind of just do that. What um, AFL did with Melbourne versus Essendon. That's what I think should happen. But, um, yeah, it's an absolute shit show and it will continue to be because what country are they in? America. And it's exactly. Not, yes, <laughs> it's it's kind of hard as well to watch them be so sort of reactionary rather than precautionary. I feel like they've they've just always sort of been a couple of steps behind the virus and yeah. and, and the decision making, and it's just it's really frustrating. I mean, I understand why they why Denver had to play and why the Ravens didn't. That was confined to one room, and the Ravens was a full blown outbreak. But then when you look at the what they did early in the year with you know, a game being rescheduled for, for Tennessee and, and Buffalo. I mean, the Broncos have just been absolutely shafted left and right. And I know yeah. there's going to be teams like that. But, yeah, it's just, I mean, you've got that extra week. You don't really need a two-week gap between the Super Bowl. So you, you could potentially have sort of three weeks there where you can move things around. And even if the Super Bowl gets played later in February, is it that big of a deal? I mean, I know it's... It's okay to move it because this whole thing has, like... It, moved it's, everything. it's it's massive. Like yeah. it's a it's a year. Things don't go to plan. So if they can even play the Super Bowl, I think that'd be good. But don't get <laughs> yeah. me wrong. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm just an armchair <laughs> expert. So if people want to listen to my shit and just say, "Hey, he's wrong," yeah, probably I'm probably wrong. But hmm. uh, no, who who cares? Well, there's, there's nothing wrong with moving the Super Bowl. We found out this morning that the Australian Open is going to kick off half an hour before the Super Bowl kicks off. On oh the God. same day, so that's been moved a couple of weeks back. Leg tennis <laughs> that's exactly right. Super Bowl. We'll combine them into Super Bowl into a tennis multi. <laughs> yeah. Pat Mahomes, twenty legger. Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP into eighteen legs. 
Day into one Naomi Osaka, dollar one into yeah, beautiful. Um, <laughs> she loses. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Uh, I never thought I'd hear the word epidemiologist said on this po- on this podcast, but here we are. So chip show is much more day. likely. It's pronounced yeah. very uh, astutely as well. <laughs> yeah, very well done. Um, all right, my second takeaway from uh, last week was Kyle Shanahan. He beat uh, Sean McVay again, four and zero now in the last two seasons, and. That's the second upset win over the Rams, you know, for the season, and it's 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 going to get them back in the postseason. I know the card the, potentially the Cardinals are playing a little bit, you know, losing to New England, the door slightly ajar for them, and it, and it definitely spoiled LA's sort of run for the division title with with the Seahawks schedule lightening up for them as well. And I think Kyle Shanahan, I mean, there's a lot of defensive co- like uh, sorry defensive coaches of the year candidates, but I think. What Kyle Shanahan's doing this year is is pretty amazing when you consider what they, the amount of injuries that they've been through, the COVID the COVID situations that they've been through, and now they're being moved from San Fran to Arizona with the with the uh, facility issue in in California. So it's just it's pretty cool to be five and six, have a positive point differential with with the amount of changes and, and ebbs and flows in their roster this year because no team has been decimated by injury more. Uh, sorry, Nick, than the, than the 49ers. <laughs> no, you're right. That, that was one of my major takeaways. And the fact that they're one game out of the wild card is, is pretty incredible. And oh, just I didn't while, even see that was yours as well. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But and what, one of the amazing things is, and you talk about the shit show that is kind of America at the moment, that the, the COVID infection rate and the active case number in, uh, in Glendale, Arizona, where the, the Niners have to live and practice and play now, is actually higher than their their district and, and their uh, their area Beautiful. in San Francisco where uh, they've got harsher lockdowns and quarantine restrictions, which is why they can't practice and, and hold home yeah. games there. So, What would the uh, the team the senator is on? Is the senator of Arizona a Republican or a Democrat? <laughs> <laughs> Very good um, question. Very good very question. Very well done. Very well done. <laughs> There's but, your yeah. answer. Credit to, credit to the 49ers. I mean, you're right. They, they show, they've shown a lot of heart this year. And I think Shanahan, I mean, he cops a lot of crap giving up, you know, two Super Bowl losses like the way he has. But, I mean, he's an excellent coach and, a, and an excellent, uh, you know, offensive mind in the NFL. I mean, it's he's, he's a fun coach to watch just because of the way he schemes schemes these teams up. And, I mean, unfortunately for, for Aaron Donald, who was an absolute fucking beast in that game, Kyle Shanahan just outsmarted McVay on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, and you can talk about those two Super Bowls as much as you want, but you've got to remember how good those two teams are that he was playing against as well. Like, yep. two of the greatest teams ever, really. Um, that Pats team and that Chiefs team from... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> who we've already spoken about at length. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, what's your what's your last takeaway? Um, Buffalo. I think they're kind of a, a sleeping sniper. I don't know if that's a word, but I feel like they could, <laughs> um, you know... Sh- cap a few skulls in the uh, AFC playoffs and um, I've just said the word sniper and now a helicopter is flying over my house it's just that's kind of freaked me out a little bit but uh, yeah I, I just think their defense it's continuing a really good up upward trend over the last month I mean led um, by Ed were, Oliver yes uh, Houston great but uh, yeah they, they weren't really they weren't really elite in the first start of the year and um, you know, it shows that it's hard to really sustain a great defense over multiple seasons in the NFL. Just comes in ebbs and flows, but they've gotten gradually healthier and more effective over the last six games. And they were very convincing against the Chargers. They held Justin Herbert in, in check. But over the last six games now, their scoring defense has improved by five points a game. 
Their third down defense has risen from 30th in the league to 21st. They've got 20 sacks, 11 takeaways. Um, and over the first five games, they only had 10 sacks and six takeaways. So um, they're doing very, very well. And they're 10th now in weighted DVOA. So they're, they're flying at the moment. And if, if they can just be a top 10 defense with the way that their offense has played the first, or for most of the season, I think uh, they're a team that you kind of don't want to face in the AFC playoffs. That's right. I mean, we were talking about them that, that whole first half of the year saying if they can just, if they can get their defense even kind of close to what they've had in, in previous years, and they're going to be really dangerous come, come playoff time. Um, and, you know, this is, this is more like the, the Buffalo Bills that we expected preseason. We'll, we'll touch on them a little bit more later on. But, um, yeah, it's very impressive what they're doing in Buffalo. And Ed Oliver, just an absolute beast, Dane. Just keeps, keeps on thriving. Yeah, I saw, um, I saw him uh, in the locker room dancing in his cowboy boots on, uh, on social media. <laughs> Beautiful. It's like you can't take the, the Houston out of him. Well, I saw, saw Greg Ward Jr. dancing pre-game for the, in the Eagles game as well. So what, yeah. what, what happens in the Houston locker room? Oh, Did you not see me dancing when I first got there? I was, this, I was dancing to the um, techno remix of um, I Come From a Land Down Under. So... Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. Did you ever have to do a – did the rookies in college do have to sing in front of their teammates like the NFL? No. The, um, uh, Tom Herman, who is a former coach of ours, he uh, made everyone stand up and repeat things of the partner they were with. And I think I just repeated something that I was the long snapper I was staying with. But, um, yeah, that was about it. If, if anyone's – if anyone's listened to to Dane's podcast, there are some great stories about Tom Herman and uh, and what a brilliant coach and man he is. So get on board. <laughs> the lesson is right. the grass isn't always greener on the other side. <laughs> Beautiful. That's a great lesson. Uh, all right, Nick, what, what are your major takeaways apart from the 49ers, which we sort yeah, of well, since, down on? Since you've already been the sleeping sniper and taken my, my Niners takeaway, but um, how about the reaction by, by Lions players and, and former players in the, the 24 to 48 hours after Matt Patricia's sacking? That was unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in NFL Twitter before. Yeah, that was that was phenomenal. And, you know, as we, if anyone who watched the video of us last week when that, um, then that happened, I mean, just watching that unfold throughout the Sunday was like, it was honestly, it was the caffeine hit I needed on a Sunday morning because it was like, it was just fantastic. Uh, it was just such a great Sunday. And I just knew from that moment that it was going to be a good week in the NFL. And, and it was, it was just, it was all because of Patricia gone. It was, oh, what a joyful time. I mean, I mean, I, I shouldn't be laughing at a man getting fired because, you know, like a lot of people lost their jobs this year. But I mean, the guy's a millionaire, so it's not like he, he can't... He'll be right. He'll yeah, be right. He'll be he's fine. got a lot of money and he's smart yeah. with his money. He carries yeah. a pencil in his ear. He'll yeah. get another job yeah. as a coordinator somewhere anyway. So Yeah, probably yeah. Alabama or something. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> That's where they all I mean, go. Yeah. And the minute he realises that he can't write on that laminated sheet with a pencil, um, might be a real moment in his career where he might I wonder up. if they. I wonder if they broke that news to him in that exit meeting. Yeah, I wish they did. I wish they snapped the pencil. You fire and just throw the pencil at him. I wonder uh, if it's HB or 2B. I feel like we judge a lot on a man. He's probably a 2B man. I've got an HB right here. Um, yep, there you go. A, it's visual medium right there. Um, 
Speaking about Detroit, you can get a three dollars and two cents for Detroit to win this week from one to thirteen points. And I think yeah. you know how they always win for the new coach. Well not always win, but they go pretty close. Um if you could get more than three points for the for the spread, you could take that if for a little bit of uh, comfort. But um I think and they're only playing the Bears. I reckon. I reckon, Mister Josh, why I might agree with you on that one. We might. Do you want to jump to this game? Just we'll do it Just out of whack because Dane mentioned it. Because let's do it. Detroit at Chicago. Chicago minus three. The total is forty-five. It's this is the this is it. This is the perfect spot. Dane's right. This is the perfect spot. You saw the sheer amount of players tweeting their delight about the firing of Matthew Edward fucking Patricia. <laughs> the cancers left the body. The Lions are in are in remission. They're regenerating. They're healing, Nick. They're going to win this fucking game. Double middle fucking fingers to you, Matthew. I'm on it. Detroit plus three. Detroit money line. I'm even on them 13 plus as a long shot. This is it. This is the perfect spot, and I'm with you, Dane. Let's go Detroit. Let's go Matty Stafford. Hopefully Kenny Golladay's back. But, yeah, Mitch Trubisky ain't winning. He's, he's shit. It's terrible. Let's go. His foals are still injured for a few. Is he out for the season? They're all rubbish. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for the Bears. Well, Foles has won a premiership. What do they yeah. call it? The Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But he's yeah. not you, yet. You're probably right. You're probably right. But this matchup is just – it's purely gross. The, the Bears were 5-1, and one, and they've now lost five in a row. The Lions have lost five in, row to the, five in a row to the Bears. So one of these streaks is going to end this week, but I'm not betting on yeah. this one. This is just, but, uh, this is just a no play. Yeah, but Detroit about... over the last five weeks have been a ship that have been trying to drive with their anchor still in the sand. That's that's Matt Patricia. Yeah, but you don't they, know how you don't know how long that you don't know how long that chain is. You don't know how long that chain is, and we're still no. going to be dragging that anchor around for a couple more weeks. No, that's fine. What about if you um you didn't want to bet the whole game because you weren't too sure that the uh, the lines can can win it in the end? Maybe just take the um the first half winner at Detroit, two dollars and eighteen. The Bears have lost the first half in four of their last five games now against a team that have held a losing record. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. That's it. This is the type of analysis, first half analysis that we like, and I agree with you. And just, I just, I love the whole thing. The whole it's thing probably going Patricia under as well, potentially, potentially. But uh, yeah, I it was just a, it was a great day. I can't wait for the Adam Gase tweets when he gets fired because uh, it's coming. But he's coming. It, it is definitely coming. All right, what else have you got for us, Nick, from week twelve? My my last one is that Alan Robinson could be a genuine superstar if he had a real quarterback at a real franchise. He's a, he's a free agent soon and he's been liking tweets and uh, Instagram posts about teams that he should join from, from punters and fans. What do you reckon this guy's ceiling is? I asked on Twitter during the week and, and over the weekend what this guy's ceiling. I, I reckon he could be a, a Michael Thomas, almost maybe not quite DeAndre Hopkins, but he's got the athleticism, the ability, the hands. This guy could be an elite wide receiver in the NFL if he had a proper quarterback throwing the ball to him. Yeah, I think he's already a superstar. I think his ceiling's higher than Michael Thomas just because he can run way more routes than Michael Thomas. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think Anthony Miller was also tweeting his disgust at um, the Bears. Qu- so it's just there's not any Bears receivers that are happy at all. Um, so... I don't blame him. Yeah, I think I think if Allen Robinson is a free agent, like it, it's time because he was in Jacksonville with shit quarterbacks. He had Blake yep. Bortles, and now he's got yep. he's now he's got this mess. I mean, he hasn't played in the he hasn't played with a real quarterback. I I don't think ever. And yeah, I I mean I love Allen Robinson. So I mean, me too. Get him get him I a real him quarterback. Feeling. You know, take what about linking up with like the Chargers and, and being 
Justin Herbert's like one B to to Keenan Allen for the next mm. five years. Like that sounds something like I could get on board with. Yeah, that sounds that sounds tasty. Even even getting Green Bay for a year or two with with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Re- that'd be fun. Take a, take revenge on the on the Bears. Mm. Uh, a bit of a revenge factor. I mean, that would require Green Bay actually uh, signing big eight big name free agents. <laughs> That's something they they never ever they never ever do. They probably um, have but, some other priorities too. Just uh, on the other side of the ball, just, yeah. just quietly. So. Yeah, he's he's racked up over five and a half thousand career yards uh, and thirty eight touchdowns, and he's just he's never played with an above league average quarterback in his entire life. Um, he's, a he's still only twenty seven, so I mean, like he's still got probably three to five years left of you know elite production, barring any and, injuries, and probably two two decent to very good contracts to sign at that level too. Yeah, I mean, this next one's just going to break the bank. I mean, if he's not in the top three or four highest paid wide receivers at the time that he signs, then, I mean, he's not getting – He's you got to fire his agent. But, you know, I agree. I, I, he's Yeah, free Alan Robinson. Free A-Rob. Any any 100%. thoughts on Alan Robinson, Dane? Um, never heard of him before. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. He'll Beautiful. talk from a punter. Love it. Yeah, Just like well, everyone be like, what, punter? Never heard of him before. Yeah, we're allowed to yeah. say it. <laughs> yeah. What are you better at, punting or punting? Mate, I would love a bit of a punt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Um, we've got one takeaway from Dane, and it's kind of jet-related. I mentioned Adam Gates before, but what's your, what's your question for us? Well, I was browsing uh, my favourite app, Sportsbet app, and then I saw there was an NFL draft props market. I was like, oh, cool, who's going to get the first pick maybe, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, the only bet available is who will draft uh, Trevor Lawrence. The NFL team to draft Trevor Lawrence. And the New York Jets are a $1.30 favourite with Jacksonville $3.60, Washington 17 and New York Giants 23 That's all they're taking bets on. So I was thinking... If the Jets do take him, I mean, Sam Darnold will want to find another home. Where does Sam Darnold go? What do you got, Nick? What's your thoughts? It's, it's a very good question. It's a very good question. But, uh, I mean, there's no way that they keep Sam Darnold. If, if, if they get that number one pick and draft Trevor Lawrence, I'd love to see Sam Darnold in a good offense. I think he's got, he's got the skill set. He's got the tools to be a really good quarterback. I'm not sure if he's the, at the elite level, but you know I think he can be a, an above-average quarterback at the NFL level. I'm really keen to see where he ends up. I'd love to see him somewhere like the Colts or or, or even uh, what about Pittsburgh? Uh, oh, yeah, that interesting. Could work. Interesting that could work. Good call. Or, or even or even City Detroit. Even Detroit, if if Matt Stafford moves on. So mm. you know, there, there's some options there for Sam Darnold. I think he's a really good but quarterback. Didn't you say you wanted to go to a good team? <laughs> a good offense, a good offense, and good I think offense. a good offense. And I think Detroit with Kenny Golladay and, and a few other guys, DeAndre Swift, broken out this season. That there's some there's some really uh, good tools in that offense. Here's a good one. What about Tampa Bay? They Ooh. can upgrade a quarterback next year. Hey, hey, <laughs> no, but I mean, just or even the Saints, just behind like an aging veteran, like you said, potentially with with the Steelers behind Big Ben, behind like Philip Rivers, as you said with the Colts, um, but. Something to consider. He's six foot five and he's white, so perfect uh, for um, John Elway. He, he loves tall white quarterbacks that are, 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 you know, not great but not bad. So kind of just and then what happens to Drew Lock? 
yeah, I mean, well, he ain't it. So, I mean, we need to work out. <laughs> I said the same thing, the same thing that I'm saying about Sam Darnold, I say about Drew Locke. So I'd, I'd love to see yeah. him in a good offense. The, I'd love to see him at Indy. Yeah, the list of players that have thrived outside of Adam Gase is staggering. And Robbie Anderson's this year's example. And I think you've got to look at Ryan Tenhill as probably the best case scenario for Sam Darnold. I don't know whether he's at that level. But I think when Ryan Tenhill was playing with Gase in Miami, I think the situation was a little, was a little bit better than where Sam Darnold is at the moment. So, I mean... They had better weapons in Miami. Yeah. So, if you look... I don't know. You need to bring up sort of Ryan Tannehill's stats with with Adam Gase and Sam Darnold's stats with Adam Gase and have a look. But, I mean, if he can end up being 80% of what Ryan Tannehill is at the moment, then, like, that's a starting quarterback in... That's kind of Kirk Cousins. If that's what he can become, then that's better than what he is now. So, maybe Minnesota. Like, I don't don't know. I'm not a big Kirk Cousins fan or a believer, but, um, yeah, (laughs) I think it's an interesting one. He needs to play good down this stretch to try and increase that pick value. But I feel like I don't think Sam cares what he gets traded for as long as he gets traded out of there. Yeah, exactly right. He he wouldn't care if it's a second-round pick or a seventh-round pick, to be honest. Yep. Uh, a couple more quick takeaways before we move on to results in, in Week 13. Um, we know, obviously, which teams are the most enjoyable in the NFL. You know, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Chargers, Packers, the ones with the really good quarterbacks, obviously. But... I mean, of the teams that are the least enjoyable in the NFL, who do you think's number one? Is it Chicago or is it Philly? <laughs> well, both those teams punt a lot, and I think that is the best part of the game. <laughs> so I love those games. I hate and those Cam games. Johnson's, Cam Johnson's the best oh, in the business. He's, he is one of the best in the business, and it's it's that's a talk about a perseverance story as well, like just hanging in there. He obviously had um, age behind him as well. Uh, I was uh, when I was learning to punt. It um, Fridays at Monbolk. He was out there too with Tia, his uh, now wife, and um, I was just looking at him. He's like it's very small, compact type of punter, and just launched. And I was like, this guy's killing it. Like it'd be nice to punt like him one day. And um, yeah, so uh, I do like the way Cam goes about his business. Um, but we're not talking about punting anymore. Sorry, we'll talk about other type of punting. Uh, how good's beating on the overs on those bloody um, Chiefs Seahawks games and all that? They just like just rocketed up there. <laughs> it's it's a good year to bet on overs as well in twenty twenty. Obviously, with the amount of offensive sort of calls just going all all the way of the offense, I'm gonna actually am gonna flick it back to punting for for you right now. Who who is the best punter? In the NFL, like I know you'll probably pick an Aussie, but like if you can remain objective, is there someone that's caught your eye this season? Oh, it'd have to be Jack Fox, the boy from just over um, over two eighty eight. That's a that's a pretty busy highway in Houston, and he played at Rice, and now he punts for Detroit Lions, and he I think he won the special teams player of the month twice already. And he's averaging like 50-something. He's nets up there. And um, he's a first-year player. And I really think um, that he has like earned that position. He, he's uh, been away from college for a few years now. And poor Aaron Sipos ran up against him in preseason because I think Jack signed a futures contract. And um, so he was always going to be competing for that spot. And then when – was it um, – Sam Martin, I think, went to Denver. The spot yep. opened up. So then Aaron was like, oh, I'll try and um, win that spot. And I thought he was going to beat him. But little did I know that Jack had been working his craft so much and he'd just come out and be the best punter in the NFL. So He, he ran in pretty hard because they, they never confirmed up until, I reckon, 
just before week one. Just before that week one game, they confirmed that Fox was going to be the, the punter and, and yeah. Sipper, I think, signed to the, the future squad. The practice squad, Sipper's on. He was on, yeah. and I'm not sure if he's still on that. I did see something um, post that he was not on there anymore, but they might have re-signed him on there. So, yeah. Maybe Indy. Maybe. Maybe. Potentially. But then again, it goes back to that that thing. If you haven't played in a game before, the coaches don't want to gamble on you mid-season, even though they're they're probably like, if you're not in a position to win the league, you might as well gamble on someone. Yeah, I think think he is. He was released on the 21st of October 2020 and then re-signed three days later. So, yeah, he's still on the practice squad. But um, Jack Fox, one of the great names in... In football, too, just a real great name, Jack Fox. Like it is, it's a good name, and and that actually brings me to my next question. Colt McCoy, who came in last week for the the New York Giants, is that the most American name in history? We had a couple of suggestions on on socials during the week. We had uh, Nathan on Facebook on Twitter said Chip Lomiller, who was a kicker for the Redskins in the eighties and nineties, and Daryl on Facebook sent in Jim Bob Cooter. Who is the uh, the Jets running back coach? But well, I have. I, have I, I was going to say, Dane, you you were in the, in Houston for four and a half years. Yeah, we any, played any against. Names? We played against a fella who played at Tulsa. He was the quarterback, and this is as American as you'll ever get, ladies and gentlemen. Chad President. <laughs> Chad President. <laughs> His That's name pretty is good. Chad All American President. All American quarterback. Chad President. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about your you should know this guy um, Nick because he was in the Eagles uh, for a little bit the rookie minicamp. What about Western Steelhammer? It's not it's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. I mean, did, has he, play, he? I don't think he's played an NFL game though, has he? Oh, I don't care. I mean, that is <laughs> like the greatest American porn name and American name. <laughs> yeah, yeah porn I've name definitely. Yeah, porn names definitely up there. Yeah, played for Air Force. Yeah, plenty of force behind Western Steel Hammer. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's probably my tip. But I mean, Jim Bob Cooter's up there as well. I, I just I think someone suggested that on Facebook potentially. Yeah. Daryl yeah. Sagrave. Yeah. So uh, yeah, big big fan of Jim Bob. But I mean, Colt McCoy will be running it back again. So uh, good on him. So, any more any more takeaways? We got some listener questions, or, or what, we, what do we got, Nick? Before we get to uh, week thirteen, yeah. Last one for me is just uh, just wanted to say a little congratulations to the NFL Network on the two hundredth episode of NFL Red Zone. They brought that in in September two thousand. I'm sure they're listening. <laughs> it's obviously a big a big part of their weekly schedule. But um, September two thousand nine was their first episode, and one of the quotes from uh, from Scott Hansen was that they hope NFL Red Zone changes the uh, the future of of NFL coverage, and it certainly has done that. It's, it's you know, an incredible innovation for, for NFL coverage and sports media. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's crack cocaine. That's sport in tiny powder that you can just <laughs> snort. I mean, is there anything better than NFL Red Zone from a sports spectating perspective? I don't think there, there is. There isn't I mean, seven hours of ad-free football. I mean, what more can you ask I for? mean, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Like, there's not that many things I'll get up at 3 a.m. to watch, but I'd seem to do it every week during the NFL season. So, uh, so yeah, my, my first introduction to NFL Red Zone was um, on Sundays we would practice and we would start practice at like uh, 3 o'clock. We'd have meetings at 2. So the NFL would be on it starting at 12. And um, we would have six TVs in our little uh, little locker room. So it's a hundred and something seat locker room. So pretty big. And uh, two of the TVs, 
I was smart. So I knew we had six TVs. That would mean one big TV and two little ones, but you can break it up. And um, people would just put one thing on. I'm like, no, nah, let's break it up. One game, one game, and another game. And you'd even put red zone on. But the red zone was bad because I'd be like, oh, um, someone's about to punt now. Jordan's about to punt. And then they'd be like, no, nah, we'll go over here now. Ah, oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> you were the only one there that wanted to watch the punting, though, I'm sure. Yes, that's, that's right. They're like, oh, yep. these bloody Aussies are taking over. No one wants to punt. <laughs> Uh, all right, listen to question from at KJ Bigger. Are the Steelers shaving points? Well, big accusation. Um, Massive. Must have, must have been on the, the Steelers line against the Ravens. But uh, I mean, we, spoke about that. we spoke about that last um, week. That, that, I mean, that I, division I, rivalry is intense. Yeah, I, I got on the Steelers minus four and a half in the week, but because the game got moved outside 48 hours, well, my bet got rejected. But, you know, I know they won by oh. five or four or, or whatever, so I'm kind of glad it ended up getting getting cancelled anyway but um i didn't i didn't see too much of this game i i had a tee off time uh late that later this morning so um <laughs> yeah i didn't quite see this this game potentially but um i sort of had a bit of a read and, and watched what i could and um it just i don't know if they're shaving points it's a, it's a bad example when they play the ravens because it doesn't matter who's playing for exactly. either of these teams when they play each other it's always these tight tough slogs i mean last year the steelers pushed the 14 and two ravens twice with with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, and now you've got the other side of the shoe where you know, the Ravens have got Trace McSorley and, and RG3 lining up, and, and they still push the Steelers to, to the brink. So um, it's just one of those division games. I kind of feel like you just throw a lot of games out the window where you have these tough little slogs because these teams just know how to play each other. They play each other twice a year. You know, they spend off-seasons planning for games like that. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a tough call, but the Steelers do this all the time. A couple of games a year, they just they lay eggs. So uh, I'm surprised they haven't had a loss on the record yet, to be honest. Will they go undefeated? It's a tough, tough Because they're going to be favourite in every game for the rest of the um, season, or you would think. Until the playoffs, at least. But, yeah, until uh, the playoffs. So they play, got... they played the they played the Bills in two weeks. So uh, that that could be a potential loss, and, and maybe the Colts in in week in so week maybe, fifteen. Maybe we start betting against the Steelers and taking the line of every every team they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, Might do that uh, if, they're sh- if they're shaving points, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just need to lock can, can that we just down get 100%. can we get can we get confirmation from the. Uh, the coaches that they're shaving points just before we put a put a best. No, I don't side. think they will confirm that. Just a, just a, a gut just instinct. A, a, a no comment. Yeah, we know what happened to Adam Sandler in the longest yard. <laughs> Very good call. Very good call. Adam Sandler reference, epidemiologist reference. You're ticking boxes, Dane. It's it's good to see, mate. Um, all right, results from last week. We'll we'll go through these and then we might let Dane uh, head off into the to Thursday night in Melbourne with with plenty to do. Um, so lock of the week lost last week, Nick, because Zane Gonzalez. Mm. I just want to know: do punters hate kickers as well? No, we're not allowed to. Okay, because <laughs> we hang Contract, around with contractually them. obliged. Yeah, we hang around with them, and um, if more than anyone, we probably hate our snapper because, like, that's the person we would blame something on. Okay, uh, the, the kicker could blame the the holder or the snap, but the punters only got to blame the snap. If it's a bad okay. punt, you're like, oh, it wasn't he, it was there. So, um, yeah, usually the kicker gets along, but kickers are weird, by the way. Kickers are weird. Uh, I don't know. Rigoberto Sanchez looks like a good, cool dude. So, uh, not Rigoberto, sorry. Rodrigo Blakenship looks like a like a, like a good dude. Specs. Looks like a character specs. out of a movie. 
it's does. like a comic book character. So it's one of those one of those things where anyone can play in the NFL. If this guy can play in the NFL, anyone can play in the NFL. Yeah, I saw a, I saw a tweet the other day, and it was like, I love the NFL because these two guys both play in the sport. And it was a photo of DK Metcalf That's and right. Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> it was just the perfect tweet. But yeah, we anyway we lost because Zane Gonzalez can't fucking kick a field goal. Um, so um, Zane, if I ever see you, I may hit strike you with my car. He's on. No, he, he's actually from Houston, you know. That's how good at Houston are recruiting people. They let them go to other schools. Okay. Well, if you ever see him, tell him lock it down, mate, and then walk into the sun because that was a horrendous miss last week. Cost our lock of the week, but anyway, I reckon he's, um, I reckon he's missed a similar one as well earlier in the year. Uh, oh, has he ever helped you and saved you? Uh, I don't think so. Get him. Send him to the sun. Yeah, he missed a 48-yarder indoors. I mean, come on. In a dome. It's short. He kicked it short. All right. Anyway, um, 3-0 last week for me. Uh, that's the best That's the best week I've had on betting in the NFL for a long, long time. So back on back on top now. 19-16-1 on the podcast for the best bets this season. Um, Nick, you had a long shot, but uh, not too good on the best bets. Yeah, one and two on the best bets, and, and we'll just refer back to Zane Gonzalez again. But for you, that was nearly a nine and zip card for you. You, you went zip and nine the previous three weeks on best bets. So that is that is a pretty yeah. amazing week and a pretty amazing comeback from you. But, uh, yeah, long shot, long shot got up with uh, DK Metcalf just dominating my Eagles, and that was, uh, that was a fairly strong long shot bet for me last week. All right, before we get into week 13, um, we're going to let Dane uh, give us his, his, uh, his multi for the week. If you're a multi-man, um, take Dane's advice and then uh, we'll, we'll let Dane go. And as we said at the top of the show, please check out the uh, Dane Roy story um, on Sportscaster Media and give him a follow at uh, D Roy, which is not Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, but, I get a lot yeah. of that during that time be, of the year. So yeah, it's it's into, yeah. yeah, I love it. be a linebacker though. Look at him. Yeah. So you should just change your name to Aaron Donald on Twitter because it'll be at D Roy. Like, <laughs> or whoever will be Justin Blackman, who will be defensive rookie of the year this year, I hope. But uh, Could anyway, what's your what's your uh, what's your multi for for week thirteen here? Well, I, I don't mind a CC and dry, and um, if you're handing out corn chips, I probably would like some CCs. But I've got an extra C for you. I've got a three C multi. I've got the yep. Cards, the Chargers, and the Chiefs all at the spread at the line, whatever you want to call it. So it's the the Cards plus three, the Chargers plus one, and the Chiefs is uh, minus 13 and a half. So I think Beautiful. they'll probably all win. But um, if yep. you just want to, just in case the kicker misses the goal at the end and you lose by a point, you'll uh, you'll save the Cards and the Chargers. And I think the uh, the Chiefs will dismantle the Broncos and um, account for them easily just because they need to hit some peak form coming into the business end of the year. Or if you don't like multi, you can take them one out and um, you should cover your losses on that one. All right. Smart. How do you like it, Nick? I like it. I like it. All right. I'm a bit concerned Sounds about good. the 13 and a half with, with Kansas, but uh, yeah, for other reasons. I mean, I mean, if you bet with Patrick Mahomes more often than not, you're going to be laughing your way to the bank. So, I yeah, mean, that's not right. a, it's not a bad strategy whatsoever. Or if yeah. you don't want to take the Chiefs, you can uh, find whatever the uh, over and under for Denver is. Uh, for total points and just hit the under on that. Yep. There you yeah. go. Perfect. Dane, thanks so much for joining the show, mate. I really appreciate it. Um, no worries. Enjoying, thanks for having enjoying me on. Your, 
join your podcast. And, and Nick, one last uh, plug, please, for uh, Sportscast Media and, and the Dane Roy story. Yeah, Taking a Punt, the Dane Roy story, available on all major podcast platforms. You can follow Sportscaster Media at Sportscast Media. Follow Dane Roy at D-Roy on Twitter and uh, get around it. The book's right. coming soon. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> any, any movie cool. deals in the works? Yeah, I made a few home movies. No, just kidding. <laughs> Houston's going to punt it again. Dane Roy, and they're faking it. The throw completed! First down. That was pretty remarkable. Byron Simpson, a tight end on special teams. And that was a heck of a pass. A little trickeration by Tom Herman, the head coach, taking advantage. Louisville was completely fooled by that formation. And how about the throw by Dane Roy, the true freshman from Australia? Doesn't do that a lot. Australian rules rugby football. You can't throw it forward. All right, week 13. Let's get straight into it. Tampa Bay and Carolina. They've got the bye this week. The last two teams, as we mentioned atop the show. Cincy at Miami. Miami, 11.5 point favorites here. Total is 42.5. What's your thoughts on this? Joey Burrow and uh, and Tua. What a matchup. Uh, yeah. Shit. Beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, probably not going to happen. We're, we're looking at the probability of Brandon Allen and Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. The, um, the, the line... At 11.5, looks a touch high for Miami. But um, I'm looking at the total and thinking that might be a touch low with uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick potentially playing against this, this Cincinnati defense. Um, but without knowing yet who's who's going to be that starter, it's, it's a bit tough to take. Uh, Miami are now into the top 10 of Football Outsiders' total DVOA. They're ninth uh, in, in weighted DVOA, which, which weights further to, to recent performances, obviously. Um, and that's off the back of their number two scoring defense and number one special teams DVOA. So they're, they're having a, a really good, uh, a really good season, Miami, and, and kind of proving all those those things that we spoke about preseason about their improvement and, and potential improvement. Really, really liking what's happening in Miami at the moment. Uh, there, there should be some points in this one. I'm leaning to that overs, as I said, but it's not a strong play. And just keep an eye on who that Miami starter is and, and watch the markets over the weekend and see what happens. Yeah, look, I've got. Absolutely no interest in this sort of fuck 2020 because this would have been a great matchup. Um, so fuck injuries. Fuck the Bengals for not protecting Burrow. Miss you, Joey. Stay safe. Love you. That's all I'll <laughs> and say. If, um, if, if it is yeah. fits, then then have a look at some uh, Miami receiver and tight end props. You've got yeah, Devontae I Parker do, and, and Mike. Do, yeah, but be, definitely a big fan of both of those if, uh, if Fitzpatrick plays. I mean... Given they are 11, 11 and a half point favorites at home, they've got a match up against the Chiefs in the next week. It might be wise to, to rest to rest to a one more week and make sure he's, he's healthy before um, that, or even rest until after the Chiefs game. I, I potentially, think, potentially. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things it's, you, you one of the things you've got to be wary of if if Tua starts and those. I think the value on those receivers decreases, and. Yeah. Um, but the, the value on the running backs increases, but you've got to be aware of that running back by committee that they've kind of shown over the last month in Miami, which is which is hard for, for fantasy players and, and prop betters. Yep. Look, since he covered last week and, and nearly beat the Giants, but a lot of that was on special teams. Who They have a good special teams as well. They had a the punt return touchdown, another long punt return as well, yeah. and set them up in, two, in a lot of seats. Are they second behind Miami in special teams, DVOA? I think they're... I think they're s- Sixth, so Sixth, they're close. Yeah. Um, so they've done they're they've done pretty well this season. Mm. Um, all right, let's move on. We we talked about the Detroit game. I like plus three the money line um, there with no Patricia. Uh, Indy minus three and a half at Houston. Total is fifty one and a half. It's an interesting game here. Look, 
Colts control their own des- destiny a little bit. Currently seventh in the AFC playoff standing, so that they're holding on to that last playoff spot. But the injuries are, are really adding up for the Colts here. A plethora of bodies on offense in, in, in last week, specifically losing Taylor and, and Buckner, um, hurt them a lot. But I think the Anthony Costanzo injury is going to get massively overlooked by many. I think he's possibly the most underrated left tackle in football. I mean, the Colts DVLA last week um, with and without him was pretty crazy. So with Costanzo in the first two drives, it was a 62.8% DVLA and without him for the rest of the game was minus 16.6%. Obviously tiny sample size, but last year was the same. When he was missing games, our DVLA on offense dropped massively. So, um, But on the other side of the ball, suspensions are adding up for the Texans as well with Jack Easterby turning to science instead of the Lord. Um, Will Fuller and, and Bradley Roby, big outs for the Texans after Brian Cushing. Uh, the weapon. The, the, weapon the weapon himself. Yeah, the clean weapon himself uh, <laughs> got involved with them. But look, Fuller does a lot on offense. I think he's quite underrated about what he does for their offense. Even games where he doesn't have big numbers, he does a lot in freeing up other players and, and stretching the field for them. So that's... That's a big loss for Deshaun and, and the offense. And, and Roby's the only Texans good cornerback. So some key outs for both teams here. So sort of with those injuries and suspensions adding up, I'm, I'm expecting more of a low-scoring, scrappy divisional game. Um, I think there'll be a field goal in it. So I really like the under 51.5 here. It got bet down from 52.5, but under that key number, I still like um, the under here. And I'll take the Texans plus 3.5 as well and then, and the money line. I've just got a weird feeling about the Colts here in this spot with, with all their injuries. And uh, they were embarrassed last week, and this is a bounce-back spot, but it's on the road. So I'll take just that extra hook. I think uh, Houston is, is is a nice little bet. Yeah, when when I started looking at this game, I was definitely leaning towards the Colts. I mean, they're the better team, way better franchise at the moment. But the, the longer I looked at it, the longer a few things jumped out at me and, and started to worry me. And the, the biggest one is the Colts injuries that, that you mentioned Anthony Costonzo is a huge out for, for Indy. And his potential replacement, Chaz Green, is probably also going to miss. Um, and then you look at linebacker Bobby Okereke, who mispracticed. Okereke? Yep. There you go. Yeah, mispracticed yep. again this week, missed the Titans game. And safety Khan Willis, Okari Willis, uh, was yep. injured in the second half of last weekend's game. It, you add that on top of what is already an intense division matchup um, that lends itself to close games and and a really interesting stat that I found earlier that in 2020, home dogs have covered 58.2% of the time, which is which is massive for home underdogs. Um, you add in the fact that Sean Watson, in his, his last six games, 15 touchdowns, no interceptions. This guy is an absolute stud. If he was on a better team, this guy is an MVP contender every year. Um, I've seen this, this line come into a flat three at some books, so it may even potentially come into two and a half. So... I reckon it's worth a play on that Texan side before it's too late. And like you said, a little play on the Houston money line as well. Yeah. There was a couple of games last week. We're getting that early. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Getting that early line was so pivotal to, to whether you mm. won or lost or, or got the push. Seattle came to mind particularly last week with that backdoor cover. So, I mean, jump around and get that three and a half right now. Um, yeah. And, and with, than, um, rather than wait. Like you said, and with, with books that didn't void those, uh, those Ravens Steelers bets. If if you took the the five, um, yep. then it was a push. So yep, or even the four and a half, you still got the win. So yep. Um, and and if you got the Saints minus six and a half last week before uh, the Denver situation, you you were laughing because that yep. was just an easy easy win for us. 
Um, so both on the same page here, both picking the Texans here in 2020, which is definitely interesting. But what's overlooked is they're actually absolutely flying in weighted DVOA at the moment. They're, they're mm. playing very, very well on offense up to 19th in, in weighted DVOA and 11th now overall. They've won three of their DVOA. last four as well. So yeah, yep. on a very good run at the moment. Yep. Um, all right, Jacksonville at Minnesota. Minnesota are 10.5-point favorites. The total is 52.5 here. It's an interesting one. Um, look, the Jags fired their GM, David Caldwell, last week. It looks like Doug Moran will probably be fired after the season's complete. But it's kind of weird because the Jags, probably the last month, I know they've lost, they've gone 0-4, but they're 3-1 against the spread. All four of those losses have come by four points or less. I knew, I knew eventually Caldwell would be fired, but just the timing of it was quite weird for me. So they've been quite competitive, despite not looking pretty at times. All the numbers being overly efficient, they're just a scrappy team at the moment. And I thought Michael Lennon looked pretty decent last week. I think the back door is going to be wide open here for the Jags. Um, like I think Minnesota have been good and they're, and they're improving and they're similar to the Falcons and the Texans, kind of those teams that got off to a bad start. Maybe it was a schedule more than anything, but they're starting to be closer to our preseason expectation of them. Mm. But 10 and a half points is a lot here. Um when you consider who the Jags have covered against. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Jags plus 10.5, and, and I think with the back door being open, the over 52 as well. Really interesting interesting situation with that um, GM situation in, in Jacksonville. It's going to be interesting to see what they do over the next few weeks, whether they, whether they have someone in mind that they want to bring in early before the end of the season to, to get a bit of a head start on what is going to be a really important off-season for, for the Jags. But this is, I mean, it's, it's a really ugly matchup from a, a, a line perspective, um, so I don't want to play any of those kind of the, the game lines, but there is some value. Kirk Cousins has attempted at least 30 passes in three games in a row, three games of 290-plus passing yards, um, including two outings with at least 36 pass attempts, and last two weeks he had 300-plus pass yards, and he gets Adam Thielen back this week, and Justin Jefferson I think is better than advertised. His average depth of target is 12.4 yards, which is only bettered by Tyreek Hill at 13.4 yards and DK Metcalf, 14.4 yards, who are having incredible seasons. He's got a higher catch percentage and lower drop percentage than both of those top-tier guys and a lower percentage of team air yards and targets than those two guys. So he's having an incredible rookie rookie year. If it wasn't for Justin Herbert, he's probably next favorite for offensive rookie of the year, but he, he's a superstar in the making. Um, Jaguars have allowed five quarterbacks in a row, passed for at least 258 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I have a note here about Kirk Cousins, and, and we've spoken about Kirk Cousins a, a number of times about where he kind of ranks in, in terms of NFL quarterbacks. But just over the last month and a bit, he's got an average quarterback rating of 127 over the last five weeks, and that, that rises to 134 if you take out the Chicago Bears game which is the best defense that, that he's played against. He, had, he still had 292 passing yards and two touchdowns to an interception, QBR of 100. That, I mean, that's that's a pretty impressive run of, of four or five weeks for, for Kirk Cousins, and, and there's some value in the passing yards markets for Kirk Cousins with two fifty at um, $2.50 for 300-plus passing yards and $6 for 350-plus passing yards as a bit of a long shot. So there's some value there, and, and obviously check out the, the Vikings receiver props as uh, as they come out. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I'm with you there on, on Justin Jefferson, but yeah, I, I like the Jags to cover. Uh, Las Vegas minus seven and a half at the New York Jets. The total is 47. 
the Jets, we talked about it. I think their only chance to win win a game this season is going to be week 17 against New England. I could see Belichick throwing this game away if, if they're out of playoff contention, if it takes that number one a pick, if it guarantees that number one pick getting away from them. If it doesn't, then sure, um, he would just, you'll just win. But um, I'm not really sure what happened to the Raiders last week. I mean, we avoided that line completely on the show because it did kind of look like a letdown spot on a short week after they really pushed the Chiefs to the brink at you know, at the end Again. of that one. But, yeah, and, I mean, maybe they just – similar to what we talked about with the Ravens and Steelers, it's just division games are a different beast and, and same with playoff games as well. So I think this this is a get-right spot for them. This line looks pretty spot-on based off how they played last week. But, I mean, I just – you can't overthink it. I think that this line's probably 10 if they don't lay mm. an egg last week against the Falcons. So – um, I've got this minus eight and a half, so I'll take the I'll take the Raiders minus seven and a half here. I think I think they should easily score points here against the Jets and and score pretty convincingly. The only concern I have is the Raiders defense is horrible, and this could be a good spot for for Sam Darnold to backdoor. Yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of the the overreaction to, to last week for the Raiders and and that line. I think that line should definitely be at least a field goal higher. Uh, I don't think the Raiders deserve to lose as badly as they did last week, or. I guess I should say the Falcons probably didn't deserve to win as big as they did last week. And, and I think the Raiders bounced back this week. The Jets conceded 20 to the Dolphins last week. And the Raiders are a solid five spots higher, which is approximately three percentage points higher in offensive DVOA. Um, and that includes a seven-place drop from the previous week in, in offensive DVOA. Before last week's aberration, the Raiders were a top 10. They were ranked number seven, a top 10 offense in the league. And this week they come up against the sixth worst defense number 32 against the pass this week. And we know that Derek Carr and, and the Raiders' offense, they like to air it out a little bit. Derek Carr had maybe the worst performance of his career last uh, last week, 215 yards for no touchdowns, one interception, and three fumbles. He had zero fantasy points. For anyone who played Derek Carr in fantasy, that that is that is as big an egg as you'll find in, in that spot against that Falcons defense as well. That won't happen again this week. And, and the Raiders need to win this week to stay in touch with the the playoff race in the AFC where they're, they're currently ninth and they should, they should do it pretty comfortably this week. I reckon. Mm, they had a lot of fumble luck and a couple of drives where they just, they went for it on fourth down. It was kind of like when the Colts lost to the Jags, it just, just wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't as bad as it should have been, but yeah, I, I agree with you. And the, um, the Falcons right. didn't, the Falcons didn't play that well on offense either. It was, you know, they got no, some, they got a, some luck on defense and, and uh, you know some special yeah. teams. They they I think they had nineteen points out of uh, I mean, the, out of coup. Uh, yeah, the Raiders so. had the Raiders had four fumbles. Like it's just mm. that's pretty unheard of in a, in a game like that. Like it just the fumble luck has to regress back a little bit. I mean you're not going to fumble it every time you get sacked every week. So no, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, all right, New Orleans minus two and a half at Atlanta. The total is forty five and a half. What have you What have you got for us here? I just don't know how you can go past the Saints here. I know we didn't learn much about them last week. They dominated against a quarterbackless Broncos unit. But what else do we need to learn from them uh, about them at the moment? They, they played a few weeks ago. These two teams played a few weeks ago. The Saints won 24-9 in New Orleans. Taysom Hill now played a couple of weeks at quarterback. He's now more acquainted with the offense. The defense is humming. And that's where that's where this, this New Orleans success stems from their defense and Atlanta, like, like we just said, despite the fact that they destroyed the Raiders last week, they didn't play fantastic football on offense. They relied on 19 points from, from field goals, a defensive touchdown from Deion Jones. Their offense was really sluggish and, and forced, especially in that first half. 
And I, I just don't think the home advantage warrants a 13-point swing the Falcons' way from, from the last time they, they matched up. Um, so mm. I'm, I'm big on the Saints' line here at minus 2.5. I think that should, that should probably be doubled at, for, for kind of fair odds. Um, and just a, a funny fact uh, around uh, the quarterback situation that, uh, that the Saints played um, last week. Kendall Hinton, who was the quarterback for the Broncos last week, his last touchdown pass was more recent than Taysom Hill, the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Kendall Hinton, his last touchdown pass was on October 7th, 2017 against Clemson. Taysom Hill's last touchdown pass was on November 26th, 2016 for BYU against Utah. There you go. Incredible. Um, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I think the line, like I've got the line, I have this, I have the minus four here, but I'm still not a hundred percent sold on Taysom Hill because he's he's fucking pathetic throwing the ball. Like I just it doesn't need so to. I'm really, I'm yeah, but I'm really unsure how to rate the quarterback position in my numbers, and that's like I know that they're minus four, and that should be a play for me under the field goal. But, I mean, Sean Payton's doing a terrific job calling the plays to suit Taysom's strength and, and the Falcons. But I just think the Falcons are going to be much better prepared this time around. I mean, they they were ready to face Drew Brees. He gets injured. Then the words Winston, and then it got flipped on them that it was Taysom Hill. I mean, they, they had three different game plans that week that they know how to play Taysom Hill now. So they're going to be a little bit more prepared this time around, I think. Um, and... and and I'm on the opposite side of the ball. I, I'm expecting some positive regression from the Falcons. I mean, they just can't be that bad again. They're too talented to produce nine points and get sacked eight times again. Um, Janoris Jenkins is out as well. Julio Jen- Jones potentially back in. Um, people forget he got injured and missed most of that game, so it left them a little bit undermatched. So if he's mm-hmm. back, um, that's a pr- that's a big in and a big out for the Saints in terms of matchups there. So going to pass. I'm going to wait on the Julio news, but if he's in, I'm, I'm going to try and, and take the over 45 and a half. I remember I liked the over in this match a couple of weeks ago and the Falcons only put up nine points, but I think they can put up, you know, triple that potentially uh, here, or even if they get, get double that, um, it, you're getting five points lower than what it was two weeks ago. So um, I think the over is probably the play. I'm a bit skeptical in taking the Saints here because Atlanta, I know they were bad the last couple of weeks offensively, but they, they can't they can't be that bad again. That's just not who they are. They've been so, pretty poor offensively tough. all season, though. They've had their moments, definitely. Matt Ryan's uh, had his they moments, were, but, the, but they haven't been think, they haven't been the offense that we expect out of Atlanta. Oh, I think they were really good the first eight weeks, and their defense was terrible, and that was what put them in the hole. I like I don't know. They kept losing games. They were putting up points. Matt Ryan was getting very frustrated, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it is a different sort of team now with with their with Raheem Morris. They're a bit more evenly matched on offense and That's defense. True. But That's yeah, true. it's a, it's another division game that I'm a bit worried about. These two teams always play each other pretty tough. And I know last week, last time was a blowout. But yeah, I just got a weird feeling about this one. So we'll we'll see. Um, Cleveland at Tennessee. Tennessee's minus six. Total is fifty two and a half. This is two eight and three teams going head to head. Two teams that love to run the ball. Um, and, and speaking of run the ball, I mean, everyone's got their eyes on Derrick Henry after last week, and, and rightly so. But, I mean, Nick Chubb, he, he leads he leads the league in rushing yards, gained over ex- expectation with plus 271. Dalvin Cook's second with plus 222, but he's had 104 more carries. So it's pretty crazy how good Nick Chubb is at the moment. And if you need a running back to close the game, look, Henry's a great choice, but Chubb averaging 14.3 yards per carry this season in the fourth quarter. 
it's pretty staggering. So if you need someone to close a game or or or, or come back for you or make a, a bone breaking sort of first down, Nick Chubb is is been on another level this season. Um, I think when you look at this this matchup, two teams that are much better on offense and defense, and these are two teams that still have plenty of question marks surrounding them. And that was probably true more last week but with the Titans massive win sort of easing some doubt around them but this is the interesting one for me because the Titans offense they're third in DVOA and that's easily the best unit in this game overall but then their defense which is 28th in DVOA is easily the worst unit in this game so um, you know and despite being eight and three the Browns are 22nd overall in DVOA they've got a middle to below average quarterback I think he's he's pretty much yeah he's 21st in, in DYAR DVOA in QBR, so it's it's not a good season from him, but it's still hard to to grasp whether that's that so many bad weather games have in, in fact impacted their sort of DVOA and and their sort of efficiency rankings a little bit. Um, I've got this Titans minus four, so I'm, if I'm taking a side, it's going to be Cleveland plus six, but I'm going to hold out later in the week and see if I can get a Browns plus seven potentially. But if it goes the other way, then I'm happy to to no bet at all and just and leave it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's another division matchup to, to look at and another test of, of Cleveland's bona fides in, in 2020 as to whether they're legitimate. I, I've got to agree with you that this screams a, a Cleveland cover with two of the best rushers in, in the league in this in this game. You mentioned Nick Chubb. He also leads the league in, in yards after contact at 4.1 yards after contact average. Derrick Henry, we know this guy's a beast, is third in this metric at 3.3 yards which just shows how good Nick Chubb is when, when he's healthy and, and fit. He's, he's just amazing and, and underrated, I think, in, in that regard as well. Um, but, yeah, in these division games, I mean, some of those this touchdown-type lines are, are just too high. So I'm leaning the Cleveland plus six as well. Seven or more would be amazing if, if you can find it, and, and I'll, I'll definitely be taking that. But I'm leaning Cleveland plus six at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I think you're right. If, if it goes... If it goes below that, then it's it's just a no play. Nick, I know you're um had, you're sunburned. You've had a day in the park, but just tell me what divisions Cleveland and Tennessee are in, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I am sunburned. We'll put it, we'll put it down to that. <laughs> <laughs> but you are. Yeah. I I do think because these two teams both run the ball, and that's their strength. That's their big big strength. So you could see sort of that I still had still of, had the Colts in my mind. Last yeah, week. that's fine. But I feel like a lot of these, it's it's like both two heavy run teams and you're going to get kind of like a, a kind of is going to be a bit of a slog. I feel like it's just going to be like who can run the ball efficiently and set up play action the best. And, and that's going to be the key to win this game. So um, it kind of just feels like a, like one of those type of games because it is important Two eight and three teams. I mean, these, these, this is the two teams in the NFL that have the most wins in, in facing each other in a game the combined wins in this game is the most so this is when you look at the schedule this is the this is the game of the week apparently but it doesn't quite feel that way because it's Cleveland and it's Tennessee but yeah um it's it's a tough one but yeah I think holding out hope for plus seven is probably probably the angle but I just don't know mm. if it'll get there with with these two teams but it's hard I, I mean if Cleveland can win this game on the road outright I mean maybe we start talking about them a little bit differently but mm. I mean Tennessee you can't drop this game when you've got the lead over the Colts in the division no, that's right. Yeah, and yes, apologies, punters. I was looking at the Colts from last week, and uh, it's clearly <laughs> clearly not a division matchup. So apologies there. All right, it's nearly eleven p.m. on a Thursday <laughs> night, mate. So all is forgiven. We've all made uh, some faux pas on this show, me especially. <laughs> um, all right, Rams minus three at Arizona. Total is forty-eight 
and a half. What where you're at here? You were right. You were right last week. Credit where credit's due. You said Carl Shanahan had Sean McVay's measure, and you were right, and you were right in a big way. Jared Goff the last few weeks, he has been bad. He has been very, very mm. bad. He's his touchdown right inter- <laughs> interception touchdown to interception ratio is four to five in the last month. And that includes a, a three touchdown, two interception effort against the Bucks a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's just been very, very bad. And, and that offense in uh, in LA is stuttering because of it. Been raving about Kyler Murray all season. He let me down big time last week. It wasn't just Zane Gonzalez in that spot last week. It was Kyler Murray as well. This should have been a perfect spot for him last week against a really soft Pats defense. But uh, I just feel like this this one is a bit of an overreaction. I feel like this should be closer to pick him. Comes down to a field goal or, or less either way. So I, I like Arizona with the points and probably a little play on on the Cardinals money line as well. Mm, I'm um, I'm with you, mate, because I've got this. My numbers have this as a pick'em, um, as a straight pick'em. So um, you know, any team getting plus three here is is going to be a play. So I'm on Arizona plus three and the money line. And I know you, I know you, a bit upset about Kyler Murray letting you down last week, but he he wasn't. He wasn't 100 percent last week, and no, I do expect him to be. He, I do expect him to be better another week removed from that injury. So, I think the Kyler that you that you've been raving about will be back in a big way this this week. And um, you know, he needs to be nimble and he needs to be quick because Aaron Donald will be absolutely steaming. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm more afraid to. I think he's clearly the smallest quarterback in the NFL, and Aaron Donald swallowing him up is a scary, scary, scary thought. But it's hard with the Rams. They're very Jekyll and Hyde. They're a hard team to get right. I've somehow managed to, to be on the right side for, for most of their games this season. Thankfully, I've managed to avoid them when they were big favorites against the Giants and, and things like that in the season and, and, and the two games against the 49ers. But you, you're 100% right about Goff. He was solely the reason for the Rams' loss last week, and, and he was appropriately called out by Sean McVay. But mm. I talked about sort of McVay being owned by Kyle Shanahan, but McVay's kind of had some great games over the last sort of 18 months against the Cardinals. So, um, this this could be a better showing from the Rams' offense, but at the same time, I think the Arizona offense will bounce back after last week. So yeah, I'm with you. Arizona plus three and, and the money line as well. Um, I'll have a small play. You, you um, mentioned I think McVay's the likes it too. Yeah, good call. Now, you mentioned the um, McVay's record against the Cards over the last few years. You also, got to remember this is a very different Cardinals team to what we've seen yeah, outside of 100%. the second half of, of last season as well. So yeah, yeah they're, true. A, they're a good side, Arizona. Yeah, stats inside are like uh, it's a ten percent difference. It's a, it's a green smiley face for those stats insiders. That, uh, on the plus three, yeah, or on the money line, so, yeah, uh, plus three. They like the money line as well. So don't mind it. Not not a green smiley, just the orange smiley for for those playing at home. Ten percent's um, a good right. number though. <laughs> that's that's a great number. Uh, New York Giants at Seattle. Seattle are minus ten here at home. Totals forty six and a half. We've got uh, the, the greatest American name of all time, in your opinion, in Colt McCoy, at quarterback, a pass for me. This this line looks right. Seattle should win at home, probably will win at home. Giants just need to get Daniel Jones back, focus on the kind of two winnable games on their schedule, and and then we get to enjoy them getting pumped as a double-digit home dog in the playoffs. Interesting interesting call, which I don't mind. But, uh, yeah, Colt McCoy is probably going to play again this week, Daniel Jones' hamstring not going too well according to all reports, but keep an eye on that one because it does it does change things somewhat. Um, the scoreline I think is a bit deceiving last week in the Seahawks game. The the Seattle offense was way too good for the Eagles 13th ranked DVOA defense and the Giants have the 28th ranked defense weighted to more recent performances. 
and they're ranked 25th against the pass, which is obviously the, the calling card of of uh, Seattle's offense. Giants have lost each of their last 11 games against teams that have held a winning record. I'm expecting a big game from Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and, and Tyler Lockett, who was pretty quiet last week against the Eagles. Um, didn't have Darius Slay on him and still still had a quiet game. DK Metcalf just tore Slay a new one um, last week. But uh, Seattle minus 10, I have a little play. You can even find some nine and a half if you hunt around and might even come come in a little bit more if Daniel Jones plays. But uh, yeah, check out the Russell Wilson props and, and receiver props again for Seattle. Uh, New England minus one at the Chargers. The total is 47 and a half. What's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, massive, massive pass for me on this one. I just don't like either team, but uh, do I need to reiterate how much I love Justin Herbert? Uh, you can, but, you know. I love Justin Herbert. Thank you. A bit of a, bit of a man crush. Although I, I did prefer the long hair if I'm, if I'm yeah. going to swing that yeah. way. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to ask punters if they remember the last time Anthony Lynn faced Bill Belichick because he got his pants pulled down and he was embarrassed in a divisional game in, in I think it was the 2018 playoffs it was 38-7 to 7 before Chargers had some cheap garbage time touchdowns and it was a 41-28 scoreline but obviously this time though the Chargers have a start in, in Justin Herbert uh, long hair or short but and they're, and they're not playing in Foxborough so they're at home but look the Chargers are a better roster on paper when you line it up um but I just can't have any confidence here to pick Anthony Lynn against Bill Belichick, especially after last week. I don't know if anyone saw that game last week and it was on red zone, but it was just putrid decision-making from a charge in the final drive to run it with 12 seconds left and then get a clock stop and then run it again. It just, it was just mind boggling. There's been some fucking horrendous coaches in the NFL, but I can confidently say that Anthony Lynn's the worst at clock management that I've ever seen ever. As a big He's call. The worst. He's that the a, worst clock been manager terrible, of all time. He's the worst clock manager. Clock managers. Just hire a guy to do the clock, honestly. Like it's <laughs> like there's Twitter feeds that have better clock management fourth down bots like set up. Like just take your laptop or something. It's just <laughs> oh, it does my head in. Anyway, so pass from me. Um Philly at Green Bay. Green Bay minus eight and a half. Total is forty seven. It's gonna be a pass from me at the current number. Um I just I, I think that this sort of coach-quarterback combo is, is a massive mismatch here because I think the LaFleur-Rogers partnership is kind of what you want the Peterson-Wentz mm. partnership to be. If you still want that to be a partnership, that's another question for you, Nick. But you just got to put your quarterback in comfortable situations, call plays that allow him to, to excel. And it took some time for them, but they're starting to, to get in their groove. They've had some blemishes, the second half against the Colts, the Tampa Bay game, but they seem to have found their groove more recently and, and just pummeled the Bears' defense. And that's not a easy defense to pummel. I think Wentz and Peterson can get there, but it just won't happen this season. That They've got to spend the offseason to work this shit out, I think. And that's – they're just a mess at the moment and they're just not a fun team to watch. No, not fun at all. Not a fun team to support as well. And uh, you know what Philly fans are like in, in uh, Philadelphia. But, look, it is getting harder and harder to stand by Carson Wentz each week. He, he's been poor – and there's no doubt about that, that he's been poor. I just think that the blame lies above him. I, I think the, the blame lies squarely with the guys who are managing the franchise, and that's the combination of Howie Roseman and, and Doug Peterson. I think they both have to go. It's just with this franchise, it's bad decision after bad decision over the last three years. It starts with the draft. It leads into into the way that they've managed the roster and, and contracts. 
and it ends with the play calling week after week. It's been it's been horrible all season. It's been horrible last season. The, the fish rots from the top, and it, it has to change. I think that the franchise moves on those two guys, Howie Roseman and, and Doug Peterson, before they move on Carson Wentz. Because even if you did trade Carson Wentz, you're not going to get value for him. Um, and it's really just removing the contract. You don't get value for, for him as a player in, in terms of how good he can be because he's just not that guy at the moment. But, um, yeah, look... It's it's a hard one. The, the Eagles went to Lambeau last time and they came back from a double-digit first-half lead. They stole the win there. I can't see that happening this week. I can see a backdoor cover against the Packers' defense. There's just no confidence in that, though. Um, but, you know, for the Eagles, this is the lowest point of the Eagles over the, the last couple of years. And one week you've got to face Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson, who's obviously very good. And then the next week you've got Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones following up. It's... Uh, it's tough. Life is unfair as, as an Eagles fan. But you know, we, we talk about coaching in Philadelphia. Miles Sanders, the running back in, in Philly, averaging 5.6 yards per carry in 2020, only had six carries last week against the Seahawks. And that, that might be an overreaction against the Seahawks' run defense, which is which is very good, and, and porous pass defense, which is very bad. But I think that's corrected this week against the 27th-ranked defensive line for running yards in Green Bay. And I think Miles Sanders has a big one. Yep. I don't mind that call at all for the Colonel. Um, all right, Denver at Kansas City. Kansas City minus 14. Total is 50 and a half. I feel sorry for Denver a little bit. Um, I don't feel sorry for John Elway. Um, <laughs> but after the hell they faced last week, they got they got to travel to Kansas City and take this freakazoid quarterback on. It's just unbelievable with, with Mahomes now. I'm just really running out of words to say we're just... Seriously, we're blessed to watch him and, and also on the other side of the ball with, with Aaron Donald, these two guys in their primes of their career at the moment. It's just week after week. It's just it's just really it's really fun to watch watch them just ball out. Um, I've got this KC minus 13. So if anything, I have a small lean to Denver, but I'm not picking against Mahomes unless, unless the number's like absurdly off um, or he's injured. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, we've said it over and over again this season. The Chiefs... They're only just starting to get into gear for their their run to the Super Bowl. They've been playing with us up until this point this season. Mm. And what's scarier than Patrick Mahomes? Tyreek Hill has only just worked out that he's not just an athlete. He's not just a sprinter. He's an incredibly good NFL wide receiver. You put them together, they're they're lethal. You know, we saw that last week. And Pat Mahomes is now unbackable for MVP. He's a dollar dollar twenty five at most books. I saw him at dollar twenty two at one book, which is just mm. insane for a, an NFL MVP. Futures bet. It's unbelievable that you know only a month or, or five or six weeks ago you could get him at six dollars still. And I wish I'd put my money where my mouth was, but I don't really bet futures, and uh, I wish I did when I, I look at things like that. But this game, this is still a decent Broncos defense. They're ranked fifth against the pass, which is the only thing holding me back really from going full bore on on a two touchdown line with the Chiefs. Because how can you bet against Pat Mahomes, like you said? Yep, totally agree. Uh, Denver's defense has been quite quite good and fighting hard in games for their team and, and their coach. So credit for them. Uh, Washington at Pittsburgh. This is the first of two Tuesday games here for us. Um, so Pittsburgh are kind of eight point favorites. Uh, it's kind of unofficial that it's down at a lot of books, but uh, yeah, there's no total as well. So it's, as we said at the top of the show, it's really hard to kind of read the form with the, with the Steelers today. So that they messed around a bit with the schedule makers and, um, with the COVID situation, and, and as I said, the Ravens always play them tough. Tough, but the loss of Bud Dupree is probably the biggest takeaway from today's game. That kind of hurts them hard, given they've lost Devin Bush and, and things as well. So the front seven's taking some hits, and 
but I still think they're going to trouble Alex Smith and, and, and Washington in the passing game. But I'm just not sure the offense will have enough success against this stout sort of Washington D-line to, to cover over a touchdown. So I'm going to pass um, at this line. Yeah, I, I agree with you a bit there. I think it's a bit of a letdown spot for the Steelers. I've taken them most weeks. Um, definitely money line, but I've taken them most weeks at, at their their minus line as well. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, they've been mucked around with the schedule and despite all the COVID outs for Baltimore, they had a really tough rivalry game this morning and, and this week. Really good to see Joe Hayden well and healthy with a pick six after what looked like on Twitter. He was sharing some photos of a fairly decent car accident last week. Um, like you said, the Washington defense is, is its calling card in 2020. I feel like they can trouble the Steelers' offense. They're not they're not in a groove at the moment. The Steelers' offense they've they've had a long week played. The Washington played one of the early Thanksgiving games uh, last week, while the Steelers just have a six day break, having played earlier today. Um, I think like I feel like the Steelers' defense is still too good for the Washington offense in terms of betting the Washington money line. But the the football team ranked third in pass defense. And I'm leaning to this one being closer than expected. It's a pass for now, but if that line comes out even further towards Pittsburgh, then I think it's worth a play. And I mean, my gut check on a, on a Monday night or Tuesday might be enough to to push me to, to take that Washington line anyway. Yeah, I think they are due a loss. I know that sounds like a stupid yeah. thing. I mean, but yeah. I mean, not many teams go sixteen and zero, so it's just picking the right game to, to bet against the Steelers. Um, all right, Tuesday. Second game, Buffalo minus one and a half at San Francisco. Total is 48. I mean, we talked about both these teams atop the show, really, with the Bills' defense and, and San Fran's coaching. But I think an upset win at home here for the 49ers would be huge to kind of keep that door ajar for a playoff berth, especially if the Rams end up beating the Cardinals. Um, but I've got this Bills minus two and a half. I've got a small in Buffalo, but... It's probably going to pass um, with 49ers getting a couple of key players back on offense. And I, I need to see John Brown if he's playing for Buffalo because he's a massive help for their offense, similar to Will Fuller. He's kind of an extra sort of I'm not, not quite the Jenga piece, but I just when you've got John Brown and Stefan Diggs, it just means you've got to respect. that other option. Yeah, it just it makes it so much harder for defenses to cover when you've, when you've got the additional element of Josh Allen's running ability as well. So... Um, yeah, I'm going to pass, but I probably I actually think this is probably the game of the week. I'm actually super keen for this one. Yeah, you mentioned Will Fuller again, and going back to that Texans game, I and mean, they could probably go with uh, Kenny Stills who they cut <laughs> last week. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see. Going to be interesting to see who picks up Kenny Stills for a, a playoff run if if he gets picked up again. But um, yep. yeah, well, I'm I'm keen for this one as well. I think you mentioned earlier that the Bills defense getting back to what we expected. Preseason, the last six games, 20 sacks and 11 turnovers. This is more like the Bills' defense that, that we expected. It's been an impressive season from the Niners when you take everything into account. Obviously, they've got a, a negative record, but you know they've had a really tough year. They're finally getting some bodies back. Can they handle the latest setback about moving the whole franchise to, to Arizona? We'll see. Uh, it's a pass for me just based on that, just not knowing what to expect out of San Francisco. But, yeah, I can't wait to watch this one. Yep, and then we've got one Wednesday game here, which is Dallas at Baltimore, but um, nothing up, which makes sense. It's just really hard to comment on this one with so many Ravens players' statuses up in the air due to COVID, including Lamar Jackson, which which makes a whole heap of sense. So nothing down on that, but uh, we can tweet out anything if, if something pops up over the weekend if that, that we yep. particularly like. But um, it's been a long show, so we'll quickly smash through our best bets and long shots. I, I think the lock of the week would probably be the, the – uh, the Raiders minus seven and a half. Yeah, it looks like it. 
we're, we're on the same page for a few different ones, but I think that's the most yep. solid. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then the other best bets and long shots for me, I've got Arizona plus three, the Raiders minus seven and a half, and the Jaguars plus ten and a half. Um, my long shots are Texans to win one to 13 at 325. That's half the uh, long shot unit. And then I've split the other half into two here with Cooper Cup, 100 plus receiving yards at $3.10, and Travis Kelsey, 125 plus receiving yards at 375. It's interesting his splits when he plays Denver in Denver are terrible at home. Uh, much better when he plays the Broncos for some reason. So I'm, I'm, th- I'm expecting a big Kelsey game after we had the big Tyreek game last week. But there's my best bets. What have you got for us? Yeah, Kelsey maybe reads the ball better without the uh, the thin air. Doesn't float as much in Kansas City. But, um, <laughs> yeah, best bets. Got the Saints minus two and a half. Got the Raiders, as we mentioned, minus seven and a half. And uh, a bit of a player prop. Kirk Cousins, 300 plus passing yards at $2.50 is the third best bet. And uh, long shots this week, New Orleans winning by more than eight and a half at $3.40. I've got that for half a unit. And uh, Kirk Cousins, 350 plus passing yards, a quarter of a unit at $6. And Miles Sanders, 100 plus rushing yards at $4 a quarter of a unit. Yeah, beautiful. All right. And as we said earlier, the, the multi for deep, Dane Roy, Cardinals plus three, Chargers plus one, Chiefs minus 13 and a half. And that wraps up our week 13, kind of a weird, wacky show with Dane Roy. We kind of went in and out. <laughs> and a lot forth. of talk about punting and Houston and, and, and we Detroit and, and all sorts of stuff. So um, a weird and wonderful show, but that's kind of been the year in 2020. So um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at the punt return pod. You can check out the Dane Roy story as well. Sportscaster media. You can follow Nick at Nick splitter. I'm at JY NFL. We'll be back next week. Good luck in week 13. Mm-hmm.